Listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participant's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. Stomping, blowing gin. I was going to say. You're blowing your nose. I was trying to get out of the way. You've got a cold. A little bit, a little bit. Is it the Rona? I don't think it's the Rona. All right, well... We're going to be talking sh- to a returning guest. A returning guest. Yeah. Do you remember Dave Ironman? How could I forget? Right. That um, was loud. Yeah, it was really loud. Sorry. Um, we were just doing level checks before this and you <laughs> fried my ears. Uh, no, Dave is a uh, shamanic coach and acupuncturist. Um, and his work is kind of centered around helping people discover the deepest layer of who they are. Right, and empowering people to live um, their most authentic and soulful life. Right, Great. I didn't make all that up. You read it off the website. I got it off the website, and then from talking to Dave last time, and uh, through this work, right, Dave attempts to focus on the whole person, right, the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual. In Stomping Gen, it's that last piece, the spiritual. Yeah. I'm going to really dive into on this okay. this episode, okay? Right. Um, and we're going to hear from Dave about this work that he's doing around um, helping people with the spiritual aspects Sounds of great. their life, okay? Mm-hmm. At least that's my plan. Things could go completely haywire. Okay. All right, so I'm going to um, play the intro music. Okay. You ready? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. Stomping gin. We're not doing that anymore. Do you want me to become young creamy sawtooth? I do not. And freestyle no. an ice cream wrap? No, please don't. Because I'm getting rave reviews for my spring drink freestyle. Oh, I'm sure. That we did on a previous episode. If rave reviews is yeah. two comments. You, know, you better be careful or mm. young creamy sawtooth will emerge. Mm-hmm. Well, let's say hi to our guest, uh, Dave Ironman. Hello, Dave. Hello, guys. How are you? Good. Nice to see you. Um, how have you been since the last time we talked? Uh, it's been riding the waves of life, like most of us. I think we talked a little more than a year ago, maybe a little more than maybe a little more than that. So it's you know riding the waves of the pandemic and and life and uh, winter and the weather and you know, but um, managing all right, I would say. How about you guys? You guys yeah. managing all right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Right? Yeah. I mean, we've had a we had a, a bout of the Rona. We got we, the Rona. We did have the Rona. So we got the we got to experience the pandemic in that way. Uh-huh. And I have to say, like, um, getting you know to our our topic today about spirituality and um, 
uh, connecting with the natural spirit, getting the Rona kind of dysregulated me spiritually. Like it made me, it just made me feel strange. It made you feel strange. Like I spent, I spent um, almost two years trying to avoid this thing. Right? Yeah, it was like so. You're saying it's like cathartic. I wouldn't it. call it cathartic. Um, it just disrupted me spiritually in a way. I felt like disappointed in myself in a way. What? I, I can't explain it. I'm having a hard time. <clears throat> Apparently, it did something to me. Um, I have to say though, this cold that I have uh-huh. is worse than is <laughs> worse than having Corona. <laughs> Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. I mean, I feel very lucky and very privileged to be able to say that out loud, but Right. Yeah. Okay. But now we have we get to experience. Yeah. Dave, did you did you end up getting coronavirus? Were you able to avoid it? I I've, I've avoided it so far. I definitely I had a good scare a few weeks ago. Um which is fun for me in particular, given that self-employed, given that I here to take care of other people's health, and also given that when I personally experience anxiety, my symptoms tend to be uh, respiratory. So I'll get congested as a sign of my anxiety, or I'll get short of breath as a sign of my anxiety, which of course are signs of corona. And yeah. so it was just made it so much worse of like, wait, is that is that my anxiety or is that is that actually do I am I sick? And but no, I never I never actually got sick other than what was going on in my own head. Okay. That's good. Interesting. Yeah, but we got we got the, we uh, got the Rona. The mild version of the Rona. The Omicron. Omicron. So we, we both came out okay. Um yeah. now um Dave, one so one aspect of your work, I was talking about this in the intro a bit, is trying to connect people to um, what you call the natural spirituality of life, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I just want to kind of start with you telling us what does that mean, like to you, um, and in in the work you do, like natural spirituality. Sure. Well, at the heart of it, when we strip away all the identities that we have in our culture of race and gender and nationality and job title and family title at the end of that we're still human at the at the end of it we're just human and so we are native earthlings we are part of this planet and so with that comes an inherent sense of connection to the planet and western culture has done a wonderful job of separating us from that connection to the planet but I feel that, and that, and well, we can get into this, but I feel like that's at the heart of so many issues that people face of anxiety or depression or, you know, dominating over other, there's so much that can come out of that, that helping people remember, wait a minute, no, I'm actually part of the planet. I'm connected to the earth. And in some like very simple ways, it, it, I, we can, I can happily talk about the, what I call the woo, the spiritual side of it, but yeah. just biologically that the atoms that are making up of our bodies are part of the planet. Like what, what we're breathing in, in this moment, it's not, we're not breathing it out right away. It is actually going right into our bloodstream and then it's doing who knows what it has as our body needs it. So what we're breathing in is literally becoming our body. And so from that idea, like we are not really the separate self from life, from nature. Yeah. The, the, the term, that I remember hearing all the time as a kid that's jumping into my head is you are what you eat, right? And what we eat, food food comes from the earth, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know why that just reminded me of that. 
Because it's the cycle of yeah, the cyclical nature of yeah our environment. Yeah, so we are what we eat, and we are what we breathe. Like all of this is what becomes us. So for me, the idea of just clearing away a lot of the mental chatter that we have built up about how I'm different from this person because, you know, my hair is curly and someone else is straight or because this is my gender orientation, this is someone else's. Like all of that is just uh, minimal details about life. When really at the heart of it, we strip that all away. We are all part of this soup of planet. And we can talk about like that kind of like a new age, like, oh, we're all one man from like the like very 60s hippie, uh, uh, often dismissed identity or dismissed um, uh, term. But the heart of it is that, yeah, no, we are from the planet. When this is like, I like saying um, that we're not necessarily living on Mother Earth, we're living in Mother Earth. Like she is our body. Right. All of this stuff that's is my body came from the planet before I was here. And thinking about those hippies, like we can we can acknowledge that we're all part of the earth, that we all come from the earth, but and also maintain our individuality, right? Yeah, right, of course. Yeah. You know, I, I like to think of it as like we're in a soup, you know, good yeah. get a good old like a soup that's got lots of different ingredients. The pea is different from the carrot, which is different from the noodle, different from the chicken, but it's all the same soup. I'm a carrot stomping, Jen. You're a noodle. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, yeah, and and I think I think that might be something that the hippies missed, right? Like in the '60s, Why do you keep calling them the hippies because that's what they were. The hippies, right? This this idea um, that in pursuing a connection with spirituality, we have to give up our individuality. And their their whole thing, like we're all one, we're all the same, right? I, you know, personally, I don't think that's true. I think that's what I heard from them what? all the time. Yeah, I like, but I like this idea of a of uh, pursuing spirituality and understanding that we're all part of something, but we're also individuals. I like that. I like I Dave's a, metaphor a lot better. What, the soup? Yeah. Okay. I like it too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I consider that it's a both and, that we're both individuals and we're part of something greater. So, you know, for instance, if we can take it even simply like you guys um, are married, you still have your own individual, but you're part of something larger. And you have a family and that's something larger, but you're still you. Yeah. And that idea that it's, it's not... Um, you, the, for me, I, the, someone told me a long time ago the idea, the definition of spirituality is that it provides context for what's going on. And while we can get lost in rites and rituals and this prayer or that prayer or this religion or that text or this name and that name, ultimately it, it aims to provide context for our lives. And so looking at it from that perspective, I am still me, I'm still Dave, I'm still separate, but when we lose the context, I'm part of something a lot greater also. Right. And there's, and going back to something you said earlier, we often, we often get lost in the contextual details of day-to-day life. Like the only context we focus on is our, our identities and, and our connections to our jobs, right? Our connections to our entertainment, our connections to our social media, we forget about the natural connection, right? Right. 
which is there anyway. And we've all had times where we say lost power, whether it's for 10 minutes or for a couple of days. And when we first lose powers, there's that, oh crap, <laughs> like I, what am I going to do? We have that immediate withdrawal and that I was right in the middle of that email or, or I dropped that phone call. What am I going to watch now since the TV just died? But after the, we hit a certain breaking point, like, oh, this is nice. Why don't, why don't we do this more? Sit here and just read by the candlelight and kind of come back to the natural rhythms. Hey, the sun goes down. I got tired. Look at that. That's true. I do experience that after that first, you know, 10, 20 minutes of freaking out. You kind of like, are like, oh, this is cool, right? You kind of, don't you feel that way ever? I'm looking at you, stomping I know you're looking at me. Did you just not want to talk because you have a cold? No, I'm just, I'm looking at you with disbelief. What do you mean? You hate it when we lose power. Initially, yeah, I do. You get all like, okay, we need to get the generators, we need to get to this, we need to get to that, we need to, I don't see it as like, anyway. You don't see it as what? An opportunity to connect back with the universe. Why? (laughs) I mean, I'm talking about you. Yeah, but I do. After a while, I settle down. I haven't started that generator in a long time. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like last summer, Dave, we lost power for like a couple days. Oh, some, was it last summer? You know, every once in a while, I turned on the generator and ran it so the freezer, like the food in the freezer wouldn't go bad. I don't is... think the point of this conversation is that the power will... What's the point? I think he's talking about connection back to nature. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Going down a rabbit hole about power being out. Yeah, what I'm saying is it's like a balance, right? Like I like to go out for a nice hike in the woods, right? Go out for a nice hike Yeah. in the woods. You don't look at your phone. Here's a perfect example. Okay. All right, Dave, you with me? I'm with you. I had to go outside the other morning. It was quite early. I was okay. getting picked up at what time? It was like four in the morning. Four in the morning. Four in the morning. Okay. It was quiet. I stepped outside. No cars were driving. I could hear the sound of the creatures in the forest. It was so quiet outside. Did it was you f- magical. Yeah, but have you gotten up at four in the morning since? Fuck no. Right. So why not? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, yeah. you know, if you stop, I think what Dave, to Dave's point is if you just stop yeah. and give yourself some time and space to be in nature and surround yourself with nature. Yeah. And I, I want to talk about that, though. Um, just stopping is nice, right? And making a mental note is nice. And Dave, I, I follow you on social media, and I noticed like you recently completed this 30-day um, nature spirit challenge, right? Which, mm-hmm. is more, which is more than just like for a second stopping and observing, right? It's, it's a kind of a more of a, a longer-term dedication to being aware of um, your natural spirit. Can you just tell us more about like that process and like what, what you got out of it? Sure. Yeah. It's, it's really about the, the intention of it. Like I'm intending to be outside and connecting. So when you started to say, Jen, that like, Hey, I'm, I'm going out in the woods until you said, and I'm not, and I'm, and I'm off my phone. It's like, that's something different, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I'm actually setting that intention to 
be just with nature. And being at four, being up at four in the morning allows you that because so much of the human background noise isn't there. Right. Well, certainly the human background noise, you know, that those, the nature sounds and the, the magic of nature is there any time of day. Right. It's there at 11 a.m., but we get, it, gets, it gets drowned out by our, our humanhood. Right. And so I'm totally with you on that. And I think for me, what I did in January was I said, all right, I'm going to really intentionally connect in every day. So I, I take my dog for a walk most days. And there are plenty of days where I'm on my phone while I'm taking a walk or I'm listening to a podcast while I'm taking a walk. And I'm not fully present with the outside. And then what I, what I would do is I would leave my phone at home and I'd be like, I'm actually being very conscious with this walk. And so it was conscious with not just watching my dog do her thing and, and watching her sniff, which was some of it, but it was reconnecting just by watching her natural animal behavior reminded me of just the simple, um, I'll say pleasures or just the, the, to overuse the word nature of who we all are and watching the trees bend with the wind it was a reminder of like this is the speed of nature and then i come back to human human world and it baffled me for a moment like why in our culture do we move at the same speed in january that we do in july like that doesn't happen most places in nature i can't really think of anywhere in nature any creature that you know doesn't slow down in the winter Yet we move at the same exact speed, and it's just that's unnatural. It's un. It's ultimately it's unhealthy for us to do Cap- it that. Way. Capitalism makes us do that. I slow down in January. I slow down in January. Do you? In yeah. what ways? Well, because, well, I still go outside because I've been forced to by friends. Yeah. Of mine, but um, I much much more prefer to be outside when it's warm. Yeah. And Dave, so doing that for a month every day, that kind of conscious connection, did you, I mean, somebody who's as experienced as you are in um, some of these, this, the awareness, I would say, around spirituality and some of these practices, did you take anything from that? Did you learn anything new? Did you take any lessons? I know I, I took a lot of lessons. And by the way, you know, I've been doing it for a long time, but I'm absolutely a baby at it. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I, I would, you know, I don't really think that um, I'll ever get this quote unquote good at it. I don't even know what that means, but it's, you know, I'm still very, very heavily steeped in Western culture. And, and you know, I, I grew up around New York City. So I have that. That's very deep in my bones. I mean, there was, there were some specific moments that were really poignant it happened, you know, so as it happened that during that month is when uh, my cat passed away and he, he was old. And so it was, it was his time, but what feeling the way nature, the nature around us was that day that he passed was really remarkable. Or, you know, also, you know, little moments of like, we had a, a really brutal uh, winter storm at some point in there where it was intense wind and the snow was flowing sideways at some point. And I just bundled bundled up really good. And I went outside and just stood there for about five minutes in that. And I didn't feel the cold. I was I sheltered myself, so I wasn't feeling the cold, but it could feel like the intense power of the storm. And I'm not one really, I'm not a storm chaser. I don't I'm not really want to like I'm not an adrenaline junkie. I generally don't like to be out in that. Like I'll I'll take 
I'll enjoy my indoor, you know, indoor heating and electricity and, and plumbing, you know, but the, just to sit there and feel there's the raw power of nature was really uh, humbling. And, you know, that we are part of this, we're affected by it, we're connected to it, even if we stay inside. Yeah, that reminds me of a story um, I read, an account by one of these naturalists. It was either like Thoreau or Ralph uh, Waldo Emerson. Uh, They were talking about how during a hurricane, they climbed up a tree, like a pine tree, and just sat in the top of the pine tree. And they were like blowing around and like feeling the wind and the rain. And uh, they described that as probably the most invigorating, life-changing experience of their life. I'm not suggesting people do that, but um, that, in a sense, is connecting to the natural spirit in a way. It's an angry spirit they're connecting with, maybe, but... It can be. Yeah. Sometimes not, right? So, like, the pulling in some more of the woo side of it, more of the shamanic side. So, shamanism is animistic in that sense that it, it is, it, its perspective is that there really aren't objects that all of these things have spirit, they have intention, they have wisdom to them. So a snowstorm, a hurricane, a tornado, they're not just uh, uh, results of a varying barometric pressure. They're actually uh, intelligent, you know, purposeful beings that are doing things for the environment. And they're often operate on a scale, which we can't really understand. You know, we're, locked in our human bodies with our human time scales and our human comforts. And so we don't necessarily understand what the wind is doing for the greater ecology. And I don't know if we ever really can, but just to be humble to that. Sometimes, you know, some of the shamanic work can do can actually connect with the energy of the storm, the actually the mood of it. And sometimes, yeah, they're angry. Sometimes they're like, we are, we're doing some, we're doing some damage here because this needs to happen. But a lot of times they're just benevolent. Like, this is just what I do. This is what happens here in the winter. This is what's supposed to happen. Yeah. I'm thinking, I hear that. And like, part of me is like, I, I can, I can accept that as a metaphor and maybe even something on a deeper level, right? Because I'm going to reveal to you in a little bit, you know, I, I have serious questions about what we've been told is reality, right? <laughs> uh, but like, I'm thinking about the weather, the weatherman, right? Who is somebody who's probably um, maybe highly disconnected from the natural spirit, or even believing there's such a thing. Will say, "Well, no, we completely understand the weather, right? Like that's why we have science and tools, and there's no mystery here at all." Like that's what they're gonna. That's what they're gonna say in response to that, right? And of course, a quick rebuttal to that is then like, how can you, how, how can they be wrong most of the time? Yeah. Right. Right. If they knew it, if it was just science, if yeah. it was, it was, they knew it down to a T, then like right. the best, you know, the, the most, in, the, the best supercomputers and artificial intelligence out there can really only protect, predict the weather with some degree of, of probability over only a certain couple of days. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's more than that. Yeah. And do you, um, I want to ask you, we, we talked, we mentioned a couple of things and a couple of ways that maybe people can get disconnected from the natural spirit, but I just like mm-hmm. phones and like work. Um, this is a big problem, right? And so like, how does it, 
how does it develop? Is it just society? Is it just those things we mentioned, or is there something else going on here? I mean, I mean to say it's just society. I mean that that is everything. That that's all of us. I would say that it's the. I would say it's almost like the natural result of just where we've been for generations. And I mean, I could go back to. I'm not a historian, but we could probably go back to like ancient Roman Greece with the birthplace of of democracy and like intellect and like, okay, we're figuring all the stuff up, you know, with Pythagoras and, you know, all those brilliant mathematicians that where we are now is just a natural consequence of the dominoes falling just with greater technology and, and more deeper understanding. So I think it's, you know, we have this, we do have a grand disconnect and yet, and I think so, so it's unfair to blame technology. It's unfair to blame computers or social media, you know, for that. I think it's just, that's just the next level of evolution based on where, we, where we've been. We talk about the 1980s, you know, before the internet, it's still the me decade and still very disconnected from so much of the planet. I mean, Earth Day, you know, is, is relatively new. <laughs> yeah. So I would, I would say that, um, I mean, we probably could go conspiracy theory and some people recognize it and they want to keep it that way. They want to keep us, you know, away from our natural side. And there might be some truth to that. There might not be. But regardless, we still have the opportunity all the time to reconnect. And that's our birthright. I mean, just by being human, by living on or in Earth, you have that. That's that's part of your birthright is to connect with the planet. That's your home. Go ahead. I, I just wanted to say, so uh, it's kind of interesting. It's like, it's not so much, well, maybe it is like an intentional disconnection because I feel like even when you go back, like I'm reading this book and it's, uh, there are Egyptologists in it. So they're like going into like tombs and mummies and all that kind of stuff. But the Egyptian stories, which tie into like all this stuff, made me think when you were talking about like how humans maybe in their evolution and the uh as they became uh separate from nature they wanted to master and understand and they created stories and mythologies to kind of put nature in its place almost like right yeah is i know how I, I, I agree feel. with that yeah there's a sense of like if it's dominating and I, I don't know if you noticed what you just said put nature in its place right so just that choice of language and that's not you that's that's english yeah is that we consider nature in it right <laughs> right right it's an object it's a thing it's not alive it's like i do whatever i want with it because right. it's in it yeah i mean think about the cavalier attitude that people have to the fact that our climate is just being disintegrated on a daily basis nobody is like yep oh. Oh, oh well, you know, like we're just destroying the planet. Like, oh well. Yeah, I've been. But meanwhile, with- like, if you're gonna go to a, a restaurant and you like have see all the lobsters, you know, I had a I had a friend whose daughter did this would name all the lobsters in the tank, and then you can't eat it because like that's that's Julie over there. How could you eat right. Julie? But as right. soon as you put like a a, a person to it, a, a a name and an identity to it, then like, oh, that's that's no longer an it, and that causes a lot of problems for us. Yeah, there's a podcaster I really like named um, Lex Friedman, and he talks to a lot of physicists and philosophers. And I was listening to this one conversation he was having with somebody a month or so ago, um, who's from the pan. They call I think they call it the panpsychic philosophy, and these physicists believe 
the universe itself is actually conscious and mm-hmm. um, down to the atomic level, like atoms possess and even below that possess consciousness. Right. And mm-hmm. everything in the universe has consciousness and it consciousness precedes everything else. It's like this whole thing and I'm way too dumb to explain it. Like, but um, <coughs> if you believe those folks and like buy into that, you know, that, that makes the and that makes the argument that something like the earth itself is conscious right and that you know there's there's this greater consciousness we're all part of as individual conscious elements it gets it gets hairy and confusing and scary to think about it somewhat well, just <laughs> for look me at, look no. at the virus you know that's trying to kill all the humans yeah. Sorry, well Dave. i mean i'm 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 with you on that like there's the you know there's the maybe two fields of, of thought, two, you know, two schools of thought. One being that consciousness arises out of matter, that it's because we have a brain, then we're able to think, then we have consciousness. And then the other side, that consciousness precedes matter. And I don't know if there's a way that we can adequately prove either way, either yeah. way. But I do know that thinking about it, that these things are conscious, changes my inherent relationship to it. I don't have a scientific proof that my Jeep has a spirit. There's no way I can prove that. Right. But I do know that if I go, hey, baby, how's it going when I get in? And like, and I, and I say, thanks, you know, you're doing really great. It changes my relationship to it. I treat it differently. Yeah. And that to me is the heart of it. It's, it's you know, because there's no way to really adequately prove it. And that's what science wants to do. It wants to prove it without a shadow of a doubt and know it. And there's place for that. But there's always going to be room for the unknown. And so when it just comes back to, well, this is what I feel is true. This is what I believe is true. And I'm going to act in accordance to that. It changes the relationship. So it changes my day. I feel more humble. I feel kinder. I feel softer as opposed to this is just a mechanical thing and who gives a shit. Right. And that's that's an example. I mean, that's an example of... Um connecting to the natural spirituality of life right it can be as simple as thinking about something like like a car as being something worthy of respect and consideration right i mean do you know what i mean stomping jen what it's those conscious choices right what i'll ask dave this um no, hundred percent. That I mean, and yeah. that's and that is at the heart of it. There's a a baseball player, um, uh, Ichiro uh, Ichiro Suzuki, who came from Japan, and when he came here, he was one of the things that he said in interviews that he was surprised about how the American players treated their bats. That he would, that they would just throw them, that they would break them, that they would get angry and toss them, and he would take very good care of his bats. And so he had an intimate relationship with what we could just say is just a piece of wood, but he's one of the best hitters to ever play the game. And so that was whether one precedes the other as a chicken and the egg sort of thing, but it speaks more to the mentality. And you know, science and and the Western mindset was, I want to know, and like maybe it's okay not to know. And maybe it's okay just to, if we look at it differently, what does that do for your heart? What does that do for your mindset? And I, and to me that, so when I talk to people about kind of reconnecting to something greater, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, but I can, 
I don't know if what I'm saying is is true. And I fully, fully admit that. I tell them, like, I could be completely full of shit. I could be completely right. wrong here. I don't know. But the, the fact of the matter is that when we can look at it that way, it changes our heart and it changes our mindset. And it's a lot harder for me to treat the planet or, or my things with um, with anger and disdain if it, this is just, it's just doing its thing. Like nature's just naturing. And, you know, my Jeep is just doing its thing. So if I'm in relationship to it, now all of a sudden I have got some influence and I can, and I'm, my days are happier. My days are better. If I'm walking out and I can feel that's that that snowstorm that's that's intense, but not look at it as like, oh, this is an inconvenience, this is really screwing up my day, I hate the winter, this is cold and tough. It'd be like, all right, well, I'm in relationship to it. And so how can I appreciate this for what it is? Yeah, and it's it's natural. I mean, it's natural it's natural to be angry. It's I mean, we're all gonna feel those things, right? And so but how do we know, like, how do we know if we're walking around in a state where we're disconnected from the natural spirituality of life? Like, what are some, what are some warning signs for us? Like, <laughs> I mean, chances are we all are. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I mean, anytime that, so our minds are, and our culture is going to convince us that we are separate and that we are powerless. That's a common thing. That like you are a separate individual and whether that's, you know, the, you know, the millennial thing like, oh, you're a snowflake, you're individual or whether it's scientific, your DNA is unique or your fingerprints are unique, you know, all whatever that is. Anytime we start to have that sense of I'm separate from everybody else, that's a sign that that we're off. I feel that way all the time. (laughs) Separate from everything. Do you think that means I'm disconnected? I'm like, I walk around in a constant state of feeling like I don't belong. Most people do. Yeah. That's that. And that isn't that the grand irony. Most people belong to this idea that we don't belong. (laughs) And that could unite us. What? Um, if everybody's feeling that way, I guess I feel like everybody else. Well, I think everybody's like seeking connection and it's hard. Yes. It's hard. It's hard. And, but this is where people will often seek connection in very you know human ways, where they will get very attached to a band or to an athlete or to a, a sports team or to a political identity. Like they get very tied to that, and that's so. That's why if you like you insult, if you say something bad about Tom Brady, it's almost like you're saying something bad about that person. And because you like you, because you identify with with Tom Brady or the Patriots, and it's kind of like that is that's a sign that we're off is like when we're taking this thing, which isn't about you very personally, you know, it's like, yeah. I've got my sports teams. I like, I've got my music that I like, but you know what, if they're, if, if the lead singer of the band ends up coming out and being like an asshole, I'm not going to be like, well, don't, you don't say that about me. Right. <laughs> that's <laughs> What, what are you thinking over there? Uh, why are you laughing? You know, I am this is related to tool. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, you do. You get very personally angry if anybody says angry. anything negative about tool. That's not true. People like whatever <laughs> they like. All right. We'll leave that aside. There's plenty of evidence for that. Listen. Um, so, Dave, <sighs> how do we how do we reconnect to this natural spirituality of life? Like, what can we what can we do to reconnect to it? 
Well, there's a lot. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually writing a book about this now. Um, and kind of going through all these different ideas on what we can do to connect. But there's some simple ones. What Understanding where we are in the seasons. So life moves in cycles. So where we are in the season, where we are in the day, where we are in the moon cycle. Understanding that and be able to say like, okay, why am I moving at the same speed in December and January that I am in July? And be able to say, it's it's okay for me to slow down. Like what is happening in the planet right now? What's happening in the natural world? What's happening in the natural world in the winter is everything gets quiet, everything goes within, everything gets still. So how do I embrace that more for myself? And then here we are where we're kind of on that, technically it's spring, but we're kind of on that back and forth weather-wise where it's starting to get really warm and it's nice. And then all of a sudden, oh, it's going to snow. And then, okay, it warms up. And then like, oh, a deep freeze. And recognizing that this is the energy that we're swimming in. And so I have seen in my practice people be affected by this, you know, or their lives have mirrored this is probably a better way of saying it in a variety of ways. Some people looking for jobs. All right, I got a second interview. It feels really good. Oh, they took off, took me off, off the table. Or one gentleman's like, I feel really good one morning. The next morning, I just, my body hurts and I can't get out of bed. Or someone else I know is getting, getting into a new relationship and like, this feels really good and I'm really excited about this. And like, oh, she broke up with me. And like that, those are... It's not that that's caused by the weather, right? It's not to say, well, this person broke up with me because it was a cold day, you know? But it's the idea that when we can start to see that what's happening in our small world is mirrored in the larger, it starts to soften some of the harsh edges of life. It starts to be able to be like, okay, I don't have to take this as personally. We still need to do things. We still have to be part, you know, have uh, agency and to be proactive in our life. But to recognize that what's going on on a big scale affects us is really, really important. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that. And it, I don't know if it's because I was like subconsciously thinking about this conversation maybe, but, you know, uh, we had like an absolutely glorious weather day like a week ago or something. It was like 70 degrees. It was like, you know, we hadn't had one of those, it's sunny. We hadn't had one of those days in a long time. The next day, like overnight it was gray and it was back in the forties and raining. And like, I woke up, I looked out the window. I was like, Oh, for fuck's sake. And I felt miserable. <laughs> but then I was mm-hmm. like, I did stop for a minute and like reflect on the fact that, okay, I'm feeling this way because of the weather. Right. Like I, like I made that conscious observation to myself. Yeah. And like, that help. It helped take the edge off a little bit, like Dave was just saying, uh-huh. like thinking about it in that way. Yeah, for me, yeah. I don't know. So I, I can totally, um, yeah, totally buy into that. Definitely affects your mood. Yeah, which is not the point mm-hmm. you just made. So thinking, <laughs> thinking about, thinking about the natural cycles that we're in, the day, um, the month, the year, that kind of stuff can help us reconnect to this natural spirit. Um, are there other right, th- are there these... other things that we can do as well? Oh my goodness. There's countless. Certainly, like I said, just being out in nature is wonderful. Yeah. And, and being out in nature, I would say with a, a, an attention to connect to nature, not like I'm being out in nature because I'm going to climb this mountain or I'm going to be out in nature. Cause I can get these X number of steps today. Or that's, I need to that's work conquering. Out, or, that's conquering mentality, right? Yeah, and it, and it's and it's a um, it's goal based. Yeah, as opposed to 
fluid. I was talking to somebody the other day. I'm like, what is the, what is, what is goals when it turns to nature? What's the goal of a tree? What's the goal of a river? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It's all just in a cycle. It's all flowing. So when we get out there and we can just be with it, whether, I mean, you can go for a good hike and it can be vigorous, but to stop and be curious about the wildlife, to be curious about the, the way the plants and trees are growing, to watch how nature interacts with itself. Just watch nature naturing. It can reconnect us, reawaken like a very, it's often subtle, you know, and, and it may not necessarily be a conscious thought of like, oh, I know this, this branch moved at a five degree angle in this direction. And it's like, no, it's not about that. But it's about being able to say like, oh, I see how this tree is flowing with the wind. And like it, it, it awakens, what I find is that it awakens, it's like stirs something deep. And that deep spot within us, that is the place that it feels so cut off from from life and we just so being out in nature with the intention of i'm just going to be with nature is this weird i've told you this stomping jen whenever i'm driving or walking under trees i'm always thinking and looking at the branches thinking they're gonna fall and kill me i don't think that was dave's point i no 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 but what i'm saying is <laughs> i'm not i'm not saying that to be funny or cute like that in a way you know, are you it, saying the trees are out to get you? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying <laughs> that's what he's saying. I'm saying I make these entire. All right, let me let me just stop and say it's connected in a way to my anxiety, right? Yeah. Okay. Let's say that full stop. But it is also a way to connect to my mortality. Like I'm not having panic attacks. I'm not. It's not preventing me from doing that activities of daily living and living my life. But like once in a while when I'm driving or I'm walking under a tree in a windy day or something, I think to myself, oh man, a branch could fall and just randomly kill me. And it like connects me to my mortality. I think this is some, some of what Dave is telling us. It's, it's, you know, that, that may be a, a, a morbid example of, of connecting to natural spirituality, but I think it is a connection of a kind. But it makes a lot of sense. There are a couple of things in there. First off, yeah. like our culture, we don't do well with death. We don't know how to, we don't, we don't know much about it. It's kind of something that we don't really talk about. It's just like, oh, they're grieving. Okay, it's fine. Let's go back and, you know, you just got to get over that. Well, let's get, get over that relationship or just, okay, no, it's not a big deal. Like, they're dead. They're gone. Funeral's over. Not a big deal. And there's just all this paperwork to do. And we are not really good in this culture at dealing with death where nature something dies all the time yeah and being able to understand that and see that it's just like it's natural it's okay and we work so hard in our culture to avoid that and then tying in anxiety two things about that one is that anxiety ultimately is scared of death ultimately right. like that's that's the, like this thing is going to kill me i'm going to get up and give this talk in front of this crowd and i'm going to be so embarrassed that i'm going to die that this person's going to judge me so much that I'm going to be exiled from the group and I'm going to be alone and I'm going to die. Yeah. You know, this tree branch is going to fall on me and I'm going to die. And with that, you know, anxiety at its heart is saying, I don't trust. I don't trust life. And it's not to say that animals and trees don't look out for themselves. Of course they do. Right, predator and prey. A prey is going to run away if an if a you know a rabbit's going to run away if a wolf's coming after it. Of course, that's normal, right? There's all this science you know that says the trees, you know, 
work their nutrients underground through the yeah. mycelial network to be able to protect their young and fight off invaders. Like they, there's something to be said for protecting yourself and staying alive in that way. But there's also something to be said for our anxiety of death when we can just see like, this is normal. It's natural. And I trust life. Just, just that thing of like, I trust life is the antithesis to anxiety. Whatever the specific brand is, whether it's anxiety about intimacy or public speaking or going to the dentist or something that happened to you when you were a kid, it doesn't matter. When we just get to the point of like, I trust, life is okay. That just is the silver bullet to anxiety. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think, gosh, we're still looking for that key, right? Like if there was a, if there was a pill I could take where I would never be afraid of death again, I would take it. I think I know I would, I would, um, Dave, one thing, um, you, um, had mentioned, um, was that we can, we can use, um, we can use this idea of connecting to natural spirituality to kind of understand things like this pandemic we just went through. Mm-hmm. How, how can we how can we use that as a lens to make sense of this this COVID nineteen? Sure. Uh, well, there's I've got a few things about this. One is we come back to the sense of division that we've put up in our in our uh, life, and whether it's just division of like here's the border between Vermont and New Hampshire. And then this is where one, and like you get up in a, in a balloon, you get up in a helicopter, a plane, like the border doesn't exist. That's entirely man-made. And what's the difference of one country to another? That's entirely arbitrary. It doesn't, it's not, it doesn't exist except in our minds. And so the, one of the things you could say is the virus is showing us like the silliness of our borders, that it doesn't make a difference. Like, and that it's showing us how connected we all are, how something can happen in China and it's going to affect Australia and Africa and the East coast of the United States and Switzerland. And it's going to like, like the interconnectedness of it. So there's a, there's a, a term often used in shamanism. It's like, what is this thing's medicine? And that term medicine is not saying, okay, this is going to make me better or what medicine do I have to do to take this, to take so this, I don't get sick. The idea is like, Everything has its specific role, its essence for what it does for the global ecosystem. And that's not accidental. So I don't really believe that nature makes mistakes in that way. So the idea of the coronavirus, it has a medicine, it has purpose to us as a, a global ecosystem. And whether that is, hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna demonstrate that these borders are are silly. We're gonna demonstrate that you know the difference between humans and the rest of the world, you know, the rest of the natural world. We're gonna demonstrate that um, um, that when humans take a break and we have this quarantine, everything shuts down. What happens to the air in China? What happens to the waterways? What happen? You know, what happens to natural life? when we when we do that and there's all this it's more of like an opportunity i don't really necessarily believe so much that like okay this is a lesson from god or this is a lesson from spirit it's more of like a, it's an opportunity for us to learn yeah and, and one i was going to say one of one of the things that, that has come out of this pandemic is people recognizing that work 
is not the end all and be all, right? Like Mm -hmm. we hear about the great resignation as the effect Mm -hmm. of the pandemic. People like recognize they're being exploited by their work. They're being exploited by their employers. You know, they're toiling away in meaningless, what, you know, realizing that they're, they're having their existence. Let me, I want to be more positive. They're realizing their existences could have more meaning, right? Like, and they're just refusing to go back to these um, unfulfilling jobs. Like that's amazing to me. A hundred percent. And that's, that's, that's a, another beautiful consequence of this. Like it's an opportunity for people to wake up. Yeah. And so there are going to be some people, you know, and say, we want to get back to normal and we want to get back to where we were. I'm like, was where we were that good in the first place? Mm. <laughs> was, was that really working out for you? <laughs> in the, you know, and, you know, yeah. And so the, yes, there are employers who, you know, who their employees who get, who are being taken advantage of by their employers. And those employers are probably also being taken advantage of by other people. Yeah. And there's just this giant chain, chain, you know, this, this hierarchy of that goes, it's inherent to the patriarchy, the capitalism. Yeah. And like so, we can we can sit here and point fingers and blame them, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it's like, what are you doing for yourself? What are what choices are you making so you can change your own mind and heart? Right. And so the idea of like, I'm re- resigning from this job because this does not work for me. This my, this does not benefit my life. And I, I want to be a little. We want to be a little uh, careful about that because. The idea that everything has to benefit me is also very capitalist, is also very separate. Right. It's also like, I'm so important. I have to be fulfilled by everything I do and touch. And that's that's a, that's a recipe for problems too. But instead, if it's like, I'm doing this, this helps, I really enjoy this, and it is helping the greater good. Or vice versa, I'm doing something to help the greater good and that's important to me, and that helps me feel really important and 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 um, healthy. That is that's a different thing as opposed to I'm just going to do what just makes me feel good and, and screw it all. Yeah, that can be really damaging. Um, one thing the pandemic did, the virus did, right, um, was it drove people kind of apart, right? Mm-hmm. But it also drove people outside. It drove people back out to nature in like huge mm-hmm. movements. Like there were more people out hiking, more people, because that's where we had to be for a while, right? Like mm-hmm. we had to be six feet apart and where can we do that outside? And like, mm-hmm. I think there was an explosion in the amount of people like being outside and, and connecting to nature and connecting to the natural spirit. That has to be a positive. Am I right? Right. But now it's so interesting because all of that, <clears throat> free space that we had whatever that meant yeah at that point in time it's it's disappearing like it already has disappeared like i just remember like um there was a time where every friday night i would go out on the river with a bunch of other women and we would paddle and kayak and as soon as like things started to quote unquote go back to normal last summer like there wasn't any of that it didn't happen once. Yeah. Because the space, but the space, right, that was created by the pandemic for good or for bad disappeared. It's disappearing. It's disappeared. It yeah. already has disappeared. And then then there's some of that that is optional. There's some of that that there's choice, right? So if there's, 
you know, so many more people on the water mm-hmm. that like I, I, there just isn't there, there isn't the physical space for it. Right. But I think it also behooves us to remember that we have more control over our lives than that. Right. And that, um, you know, one of the, you know, I started to say earlier, like the idea of like one of the ways that we can feel that we're kind of disconnected is if we feel like the world is happening to us, mm. you know, this weather is happening to me, this weather is really screwing up my day, you know, or mm-hmm. why is this, why is this political person doing that? That's really screwing me up. And instead of it's, we say like, okay, there's, I still have, I still have opportunity here. I still have options here. I still have empowerment here. Yeah. When, we're all of about the same age that we all grew up before the digital world took off. And so we had that natural built in pause. Mm -hmm. You know, you walk to school, that's what you did. You weren't walking and texting and calling people all the time. It was just, that's what you did. And so now we kind of have to, we have to, we have to claim that, but it's, it's, it's folly for us to think that like, oh, I can't mm-hmm. because I'm so busy or mm-hmm. I can't do that because of this. I have, my day is filled up with all of this stuff and it's just, it ends up being a choice. Like I yeah. love when people say, I don't have time to meditate or I don't have time to be in nature. I'm like you do, it's just not a high enough priority on right. your mind. Yeah, I mean, that's the the busyness. I'm not of, coming down on you when I say that. Yeah, no, no, just, no, 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 I, please, I, And come, I don't feel like- Come down on her, come down on her. She doesn't get enough of that. Stop it. <laughs> No, I mean, it's it's interesting because, like, the, it's the busyness of life, right? Like, so what the pandemic did was it shut everything down, right? So, like, yeah. you know, for those of us, like, you know, I'm in, I'm in, I have, you know, we have children. And so, like, all, like, their extracurriculars, like, stopped, right? Like, we drive them normally to school, but we did not have to. So, we were able to claim an hour back into our lives because we didn't have to drive them just to school, right? Like, those little shifts uh, gave us so much more in our day to allow yeah. us to have that space. And that has eroded because, as you know, I ju- as I just mentioned, like, we now lose like an hour of the day. The kids go back to extracurriculars. We lose all that time because mm-hmm. we have to you know, drive them around or do this or do that. And I mean, I'm talking about from a parent's perspective too, um, mm-hmm. you know, so like, if and I so, would, and right. Yeah. And two things with that. One is that there's, you know, the idea that you said before, like life is so busy and it's kind of like, I just want to correct that. I want to say like culture is yes, so busy. Exactly. Life is moving at the same right. speed. Right. Nature's moving at the same speed that she's moved, been moving exactly. at for millennia. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And, and the other piece with it, like, you know, driving is like, there's still a way to, you know, connect in when driving. So I, you know, in the month in January, when I was doing that, that, that self-imposed challenge, I did, I did a bunch of driving. And what I found is that if I turned off the, turned off the radio and I just brought in my view, I could see the landscape. Mm. And it was really wild to, and this was even on, you know, 495, the major highway, you know, around Boston, that I could still see like, okay, what is the big picture here? Instead mm-hmm. of just focusing so much on the guy in front of me who's going 50 and a 55 and, oh, screw that guy. It's it's more just coming back to like, oh, right, there's a, there's a whole nature here. And watching the day turn into night, watching the movement of the clouds, obviously still keep being safe and keeping an eye yeah. on the road, but it's, it's a, it ends up playing with our perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, one of the big things that, you know, probably one of the overarching things that you, you know, when you asked before, Brad, of kind of like, how do, 
we kind of like get out of that and how do we kind of look, you know, look at things differently is to literally challenge our perspective and recognize that our human perspective is built on a certain lifespan and a certain uh, awareness. So if you watch nature documentaries of watching how a plant grows or how, you know, you can watch a certain vine shimmy up a tree and it's beautiful to watch that we don't see that it moves at a speed that we don't see at our normal in our normal life. We don't see the, the way, you know, uh, a mushroom grows and blossoms because it happens at a speed that that doesn't move with us. So be able to change our perspective, whether it's, you know, very myopic and very close centered, very, very um, narrow into like something much broader into like something bigger, or to like, I want to see this at a different speed. I want to zoom in and see what something's really small or see how this works on a really lar- large scale. It starts to take us out of the center view. It starts to take us out of like, my perspective is the only perspective. And because this is what I see and this is what I know. And that certainly flows into politics and that flows into science. It's like, well, if I can't see it, I can't prove it. And that's, that's, that's all there is. And being able to shift our perspective and have some flexibility to zoom out is going to be such a such a a boon for this like we just said like i said earlier like the idea of spirituality being that of context how do i zoom out and see the issues that i'm facing from that bigger place yeah you mentioned driving i just i have to mention like one of the strongest spiritual feelings i've ever had was going to the southwest for the Mm -hmm. first time setting off out of um las vegas um heading towards utah and just seeing that landscape for the first time, like it's mm-hmm. unlike anything I'd ever experienced in my life. I had to call you mm-hmm. and remark on, to you about it. I put on U2's The Joshua Tree, which was inspired by that, blasted that. That's play- a great album. I know, and played that while I was driving through the desert that inspired it. And it was like, I was like trying to turn to my, my 13, my 14 year old son at the time, being like, don't you understand what's happening? <laughs> I was like, all these things are coming together for me. He just didn't care. Yeah, but, he didn't care. But anyways, yeah. It was a spiritual moment for you. It really was. That's how I felt at the Tool concert. Don't you? Okay. I'm happy for you. Oh, thank you. Um, Dave, one other thing I, I have to ask you about. Um, you put it, so just so people know, like when we're corresponding with guests um, ahead of time, we have a little um, survey, like, when people sign up for a time slot and put stuff down that they want to talk about. And one of the things you put in there, and I thought, I thought this was really fascinating. I want to ask you about this was using natural spirituality to orient ourselves in this dimension. I want to ask about that word dimension and like Mm -hmm. what it, what it means to you in that context. And in this, uh, in this context of um, connecting with natural spirituality and, just so folks know. I'm uh, sorry, I have a cold. I'm going to just remind people The microbes again. are trying to kill me. They're not. You need to connect with those microbes. No, You're missing... they're producing phlegm. I I'm need to blow it out of my nose. I apologize. We're an hour into this conversation about connecting with the natural world, and here you are. I'm sorry. It's right. trying to kill me. All right, but anyways. It's, Dave, yeah, the microbes are just microbing. They're yeah. just doing their thing. And talk, Jen's body's just doing what Jen's body does. Talk, right. talk, to, us, talk to us about dimension like what what did what did you mean there i honestly don't know okay (laughs) i I use that's a that's a word that that can be um used lots of ways i think probably the way i i 
if I, if when I hear you say that, it's kind of like thinking about here we are in this, I would say, say three dimensional reality here. We've got this physical plane that we live in. This is our life and being able to reconnect with that. And so much, like so much of our, our life, our culture is so much in our head is, is our brain. This is what I'm thinking about. This is, it's perceptive, you know, depression and anxiety, OCD, which are all real things. I'm not minimizing when I say this, but it is in our head and it is a, it's to be able to come back to, all right, what is a fuller sense of who I am? I don't have to be in this, this narrow automaton box, you know, the, the Pink Floyd, another brick in the wall. I can step back into my fuller technicolor. I can step back into these places where there aren't these boundaries, you know, to, you know, where the streets have no name to call yeah. back to Joshua Tree. But the, the, Thank you for the YouTube <laughs> reference. The um, other thing that that I, I wanted to bring up, which is uh, related to this, is when you said you had that spiritual experience with that, and your and your kid did not. One of the beautiful things I love about spirituality and about shamanism, certainly the way that I practice it and the way that I offer to others, is that it's about a direct experience, direct relationship between you and life. It's not. There aren't prophets. There aren't these holy texts that you have to read. This is the prayer you have to say in this exact way. It is so much about your heartfelt intention. And like, this is, I'm connecting to that. And so you can be sitting in the, in your car next to your kid and you can have completely different experiences, but that's perfect. That is your, your relationship with, let's say, so this dimension with, with being human, with being, uh, inhabiting mother earth. Yeah. And, and thankfully, you know, I, I more mentally logged that, you know, that he wasn't connecting the way I was there. He's and, having a different experience. And, um, Dave, so I'm, <laughs> I'm going to ask you about some stuff now and, and I promise this has a thread oh, so into what do we're I get to go talking. Away? No, I want you to stay here for this because uh, you might have some interesting perspectives. Okay. Right. Um, so one, one of the things we've been trying to do since the sixties is leave our planet. Right. And, and many, many minds greater than my own have said for, and I think we can agree or disagree with this, but said that we have to leave our planet and colonize the galaxy and space more broadly if we're to survive. And I'm just wondering if you have thoughts as somebody who is um, connected to the spirituality of Earth and nature, what that means for us as people if we do embark out into space where... We no longer have that connection to our home planet. Like in, in, yeah. in, is it we bring, you know, I've seen, I have seen movies where, you know, they have plants all over spaceships and they have a giant, what was that one with Jennifer? Um, is it? No, what's her name? Lawrence. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, yeah. where they have that giant tree in the middle of the spaceship, right? Like, are we going to have mm-hmm. to do stuff like that? Um, Cause I feel like we're going to have to stay connected to Earth and our planet in some way if we venture off of it. You know, it's a really interesting question. I haven't really thought about it till you're asking. My mind's going in lots of directions, but I, I almost, I almost think it's not possible, and and not because I, I doubt science or not because I doubt scientists. I think that for what you're saying, that we are connected to Earth. And I heard this this great line many years ago. It's kind of like maybe. Like 
the earth is telling us something with gravity to try and keep us here. And it's the idea that this is our home. Like we, we are like, it's almost, I don't like this home. I'm going to pick up and go somewhere else. Yeah. Right. And I think that it's, it's, um, could be seen as irresponsible and also, you know, very human centric, very like the idea that, you know, I don't think that, you know, when the meteor killed the dinosaur 65 million years ago, that the earth, you know, cried, I heard there's probably like, all right, bring on the mammals. Yeah. What's next? You know, I don't, I, we overinflate ourselves, you know, and our importance, you know, I don't know the exact numbers of this, but I believe that if you take like the history of the planet earth and you put it into a 300 page book, modern humans are like the last word of that. Mm. And so we, I think we overinflate ourselves and that's our anxiety, our ego, trying to avoid death, trying to avoid extinction, which on one level is biological and normal, but we take a larger view. It's kind of like, it's all good. It's, it's all right. Yeah. And it's crazy to me that we have these billionaires, right? Investing billions of dollars on trying to get the fuck off this planet where they could invest those billions on fixing the planet. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sorry. When you were just saying that about gravity... You know what I was thinking? What were you thinking? <laughs> the image that came to mind is like when you're like a kid and you say you're going to run away from home, but you can't cross the street. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? So you go around the block. Yeah. yeah. I totally. I totally did that. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm going to, I promised you I was going to, I was going to get a little woo on you and I'm, I'm going to stick with the, the interstellar angle here a little bit um, because it's something mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really passionate about, and I feel spiritually about this, and I'll tell you why in a little bit. Um, So last summer, our government um, issued a report where they finally admitted that UFOs are real. They're like a real (laughs) phenomenon. Um, And based on that, and based on the observations they've admitted to that are real, that they have no explanation for. So these physical crafts that have been confirmed by multiple sensor arrays, right? Doing stuff like traveling at 12,000 miles an hour, taking right angle turns, hovering, like all this stuff that is impossible with our current technology. Um, Like it's highly probable that our government since World War II has been concealing the existence of extraterrestrial life from us. And that it's, it's here, it's observing us, it's doing something... These crafts come in and out of our oceans. They're seen leaving the atmosphere, right? Um, coming in and out. And I think for me, for, for me, this has like deep, profound spiritual implications. Like this, this idea that we are not alone, right? And, and our government, and it, it drives me, cr- it absolutely it literally dri- drives him it crazy. It drives me crazy <laughs> that, that more, again, everybody Test has their own experience, but um, like, I, I just, I think this has profound implications for, for us as um, a species, as people inhabiting this planet. Um, and I just, I didn't know if this is something you've ever thought about and if it, if you have thoughts about it and just really wanted your yeah, perspective I- on it. Sure, I have a couple thoughts about it. Um, one is when you said we have these this their, their physical spacecraft. I'm like, are they physical? We don't know. 
and because we actually haven't touched them. Yeah, and I want to so, be I want to be clear. Some of them, some of them, they have confirmed are physical just because of the sensing arrays, but some of them appear not to be physical. Right, they they because of sensing arrays. Yeah, so we can get very matrixy with that. Like that, those are just signals that it's picking up. Yeah. So I I personally I do think that there's um, when we say aliens or there's other race other sentient beings out there, but I don't think that they are. Uh, they come physical form. I think that they're more spiritual beings. Yeah. Kind of like um, Bigfoot. I think Bigfoot exists, but I don't think Bigfoot exists as a, a three-dimensional physical being. I think in shamanism, what we call a guardian, a nature spirit, a guardian who looks after a certain area of forest. Not that he's, you know, we've never found any uh, carcasses or droppings, you know, of of that. So I think that they exist, but I think that they exist in their beings of light. They're not beings of three-dimensional physicality. Yeah. And that has certainly been one of the anecdotal observations by people who've seen these things, right? They manifest, they manifest in different forms. They blink in and out as though they were just coming from a different dimension sometimes. And one of the one of the leading serious theories that is being considered is that these things are in fact coming from some sort of spiritual realm like mm-hmm. that that and and these are serious people in the government like department of defense who this is a top leading theory for what ufo's and uap unidentified aerial phenomenon are that they they may in fact be extra dimensional but I also want to come back to something you yeah. said a couple minutes ago where you're like the profound implications that we are not alone. And that right there is fascinating to me. It's because right? we're not alone here on the planet. That's what I like, keep saying to him. <laughs> I'm like, I don't like, give a shit. That has no bearing on my life. Like he's obsessed with this stuff, yeah. which is fine. It's fine. Yeah. But like, yeah, like so you're like, saying, I'm not, Dave. I'm not connected right. to the dogs or the wolves or right. the, or the nature or the trees or the rivers. Like that to me, like the connection is right, right here right. for us to have that. Like There's, we're not alone. It's right here. <laughs> yeah. Go so, talk to the trees. But, so why is it so important to me that I, I, don't I need to know, know that I, this- I think, I think to Dave's earlier points, I think it's for you- uh, what does it mean for me? You're you're on a quest. You want to not I that you want to master, but like no, you know, I don't want to master. I just want to know. Uh, yeah, but that's like all religion. Like you know, you you come up with this. Ex- you want explanation. Like instead of just what Dave is talking about is instead of looking for answers, just be. Yeah, another thing I want to... Yeah, that's fine. I can. It's <laughs> like on his own. No, no, no. Problem. I can accept that criticism. Dave, another component of all of this, right, is that these observed phenomenon, we'll call them that, because I, I agree with you, they may not be actual physical objects. Um, and some, some people have seen actual beings, right? There seems to sure. be a psychic, telepathic component to these. People get <laughs> communicated to... By these objects, just through thoughts. You gonna talk about your dream? I'm working up to my dream. <laughs> I'm gonna talk to Dave about this. Um, and also, the CIA. Um, I read a book on this once. Um, this, I, this, this. There's this technique they use called remote viewing that appears to mm-hmm. to be real, which is that mm-hmm. people can project their minds to different spots on the planet and we make observations. Again. Um, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so what I, I'm bringing this up. I'm bringing. Okay, the, I'm, okay. I'm bringing. I'm trying to be really serious. Don't I know you joke. are. I told you. Okay. And what I'm. What I'm. And I'm doing this to for people out there who might be listening to this who might be skeptical. Um, because I certainly came at many many years ago came at all of this from a very skeptical viewpoint. But the more more I've read and the more I've learned about this is that there there's a subtext to this um, physical realm of life that I now believe very firmly in, right? The psychic, telepathic, mental mm-hmm. energy. I, mm-hmm. I Five years ago, I would have looked you in the face and said, that's all bullshit. Now, based mm-hmm. on what I've learned through studying the UAP phenomenon, by studying what the CIA has done with remote viewing, I'm like starting to really believe that a lot of what we think being human is in our connection to this universe and the earth has been intentionally hidden from us. I believe this now by our government. Anyways, I just, I had to bring this up because um, I think it supports a lot of um, some of these concepts about spirituality. Not that they need to be supported, Right there. No, but I'm with you on it. I th- and I think there probably is, you know, on some level, some awareness that is, you know, we're not, the masses aren't ready for this or we're, it's not, or the powers that be will not be safe if this information gets out there. Yeah. But speaking also to this idea that of limited perspective, like you want to know, you want to see it, but like our senses are so limited. Like if you think of the spectrum of electromagnetic light, like, like the, what we can actually see is this tiny little sliver. Yeah. We know of infrared, we know of ultraviolet, we could wear special lights or special goggles to see it, but that's just a tiny little sliver of what's out there. Cats can see more than, than us. Dogs and you know can hear more than us. But we think like, oh, I can't hear it, I can't see it, it doesn't exist, and that's bullshit. Yeah. And so our limited mindset, you know, this idea of like remote viewing and all this other energy that's out there, of course it is. Of course it is. It's, it's very, you know, um, uh, was human centric, anthropocentric to yeah. assume that because this is what I'm able to see and hear and taste, that's all there is. And that is, that is a huge folly for us. And we fall into the trap naturally because that's our source of perception. I said, said somebody recently that like, if cows, you know, wrote the Bible, all the gods would be cow shaped. Yeah. And like that, we just, we, we, we make them into humans because that's our mindset. Like, so I think that this idea of stepping into something much bigger and saying that like, we don't have all the answers, that is faith. And that is saying, and it also opens up to curiosity saying, well, what else could there be? I was going to say like every Pixar movie. Yeah. And <laughs> so Jen, <laughs> Jen mentioned this dream I had and where I want to start describing this to you, um, Dave, and other people listening to this is just like asking a rhetorical question. And you can answer it if you have an answer, which is like, have you ever sat down and like thought about the universe, try to think about the scope of the universe or thinking about your own death? And then you get like that panicky feeling in your mind and it like pulls you back. Have you ever experienced that? I, I like experience that all the time. Have you ever had it? So I had this, so I woke up, let Dave answer it. Sorry. Go ahead. Yes. I I understand that. Like it's, um, that sense of, 
because it is that ultimate unknown. And the way I can come to it is that like our, our mind, our ego is so scared of death that anytime we start to contemplate it, it's like, Oh shit, that is the end. And I think it is the end of the ego, but our soul, our spirit continues on. So our spirit isn't scared of death. Our ego is really is. So that oh shit moment yeah. where like that panic comes in and that adrenaline, you know, flows through your system. Yeah, that's that's your ego because it does die when we die. I want to ask you, um, and I almost wrote this down as a question, but I didn't, but since you brought it up, like do you do you believe like deeply that we continue in some way after our physical oh, death? You do. Okay. hundred percent. And like just taking like from like, you know, um, you want to bring in science and physics about it is that, you know, energy cannot be created or destroyed. And so you're telling, and so like, there's some energy that leaves that isn't in the body the moment after death that is there before the person dies. Yeah. And so that energy has to go somewhere. So I, I, I absolutely, um, believe that, but also, you know, I could be wrong. Yeah. I, hope I, I won't know until I won't know until that happens to me. Yeah, I I hope you're not. And I, I'm, and again, it's so ironic to me that I'm beginning to arrive at these beliefs through my study of what I what I believe to be like serious scientific topics. Right. Anyways, it's weird. Um, so my dream, like, I woke up the other night. I described this on the previous episode of the podcast. So if you've heard this before. Um, I'll try to tell it in a different way. Like I just, I woke up out of a dream in a total panic. Um, and in my dream, I couldn't quite remember what it was I was dreaming, but I had the presence of mind to tell stomping Jen here. I saw something I shouldn't have seen about death. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and I was like, you, sh- did, you didn't even say it was about death. You just said you saw. It's like you saw something you weren't supposed to. Yeah, and it was like something about my existence I wasn't supposed to see, and I woke up like feeling like I was, like I was dying, and like in that existential panic, that same panic you get when you pull yourself back when you're thinking about those things. But it was like I stepped over the line and went deeper, and I saw something in my. Um, unconscious state that I wasn't supposed to see, or maybe I was supposed to see it. And um, I don't know what to make of it. Like it, it's, why it's do the, you have to make something of because it? Because I'll tell you why I'm trying to struggle with making something of it. Because it is, it is unlike any experience I've ever had in my life. This is a, a totally unique new experience. And I'm like, and I'm like, why did it happen to me? Why? And what can mm. I? What meaning can I take from it? Like, what did I see? Right. So those are different questions. Right. What did I see and why and what can I take from it? Right. And a lot of times I'll say that we struggle, we each want to know the what, but it's more about the why. And that can happen. That often happens well after the fact. If you think about maybe some of like the big events that have happened in your life, big um, issues, worries, traumas, fears, when you're actually going through it, it's really hard to see the big picture. But you, after a little while, you can go back and be like, oh, I see how my life changed as a result of that. Or I see, like, I, I learned all of this stuff out of going through that divorce. Or I learned all this stuff of, like, of um, after I, I nearly drowned. Like, we're able to learn, but we in the moment, it's really hard to see. So it takes some time for us to be able to see that. 
I, I definitely take exception to the saw something I wasn't supposed to see right. because I don't really, I think that um, I don't, there's a line from the Simpsons. It sounds like someone's got a case of the Spostas. You know? <laughs> Maybe I was supposed to see it. I don't know. I, I think that if it showed up, it, yeah. it's, it's right. You know, there's um, I think Eckhart Tolle was talking about like, you know, arguing with what is, is one of the, I'm paraphrasing here, one of the silliest things that we can do. So if it showed up in your awareness, whether it's when you're asleep or awake, if it showed up, then it already passed that basic uh, metric of being accepted by the universe. Yeah. Well, hopefully I learn more about it as I go along and can draw something from this. I'm going to keep exploring it. Just keep a dream journal. Stomping Jen. Um, on the subject of death, I just, and then I'm going to go back to some other stuff that you're working on directly. I want to ask you about this. would be kind of my last woo question. Um, I wanted to mention this because I thought it was an absolute beautiful way to deal with death. There's like this company out there. I tried to get them on the podcast and they were completely uninterested. Um, so they, they have like a natural burial type of thing where they have these um, basically giant seed pods that you can put your body in, right? And it's like somehow attached to a tree and they plant it and your body like decomposes and the tree, you know, it like actually right. feeds, feeds the, the tree. tree. Mm-hmm. I thought that, I thought that was, I don't know. I just thought that was amazing and somehow connected to this idea of natural spirituality and um, death can be a part of that. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And like, like death feeds new life. That is, that is the cycle. And so the, you know, our physical body, I don't need it anymore after I'm out of here. (laughs) When when I'm, when my consciousness is done with this body, even if there is no afterlife, you know, I don't need this anymore. So, you know, this is returning back to the earth. So naturally, just like any living thing, whether it's a, a tree or a plant or a mouse, it doesn't matter. It's going to, it's part of that cycle. So like when a, a, a tree drops its leaves in autumn, we think like, oh, the tree is dying or something like that. And those leaves then decompose. But what happens is that they act, they feed the soil, which then feeds yeah. the tree. So we could look at the falling leaves that are quote unquote dead as still the living part or part of the living tree. So, I love the idea of of that of those pods, and I also think that they also may not be necessary. Nature knows what she's doing. Yeah. So if you just throw my naked body in the ground, nature's going to take care of it as nature does. That's a good point. Just dig a hole and toss you in there. What stomping? Jen? You're just, laughing. I'm laughing because now I have an image of a cannibalistic tree. <laughs> 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 like the when he said the leaves drop. Yeah. It's funny. It's okay to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, moving he on. He doesn't like my joke. <laughs> it's it just could, eating itself. Right? That's what it's doing, right? Yeah. Cannibalistic tree. I've that, seen the image of the snake eating its own uh, tail. Ouroboros. Did you see the little dragon that they found? The little lizard? That's an Ouroboros? No. I it, saw that on the internet. It exists. Okay. On the internet. I mean, in real life, right, in um, nature. See, we don't need the aliens. We just have the herbos dragons, lizards. Okay, Dave. Um, so you um, you contribute to contributed to a book that was recently published. I wanted to ask you about this. Um, yeah. By a woman named Anna Marie Vasquez. Um, yes. 
called Nature, Divine Experiences with Trees, Plants, Stones, and Landscapes. So I just want to give you an opportunity to tell us about that that book and, sure. and how you contributed to it and so on and so forth. So this book, uh, there's a publishing company called Sacred Stories, and they are they they focus a lot on spiritual books. And they have a series called Common Sentience, one book around nature, one book around animals, one book around meditation, one book on shamanism. They've got, I think, seven or eight of them. And the the layout of each book is the same. So for this nature book, this woman, Anna Vasquez, wrote the first and third parts of the book, basically describing how to connect with nature, why it's important, what we get out of it, and in a in a decent way that's both grounded and woo. And then the second part of the book is vignettes, true stories of that they they ask for submissions for people to write how nature, their experience with nature and how that was particularly life-changing. So my story that I wrote was just a 100% true story when I was 19 and I nearly drowned. And that, and how really, like there's layers and layers and layers of that story. You had to keep it to just a couple pages, just to like, 2000 words, but I contributed that story. I basically outlined every detail that I can remember you know, from, from that experience. And so that was accepted as that's part of, part of the book. So there's stories in there about people connecting with nature in all sorts of different ways that have helped them and been very profound in their individual lives. And this was probably the most profound experience of my life with nature that I wrote about. Were you in the ocean, or was it like a lake, or, was, or a it river? It was uh, white, white water rafting in Costa Rica. Oh mm. Jesus! So you must how you were nineteen? I was nineteen. You said yeah, huh? What was that like? How close did you come to drowning? I had this uh, thought in there that was like, uh, I don't know how much more of this I could take. Oh, and I had, I had tried to, I was caught in a whirlpool, got caught in an eddy. So I went down and came back up and went down and came back up a couple of times, um, fought really hard against the currents, tried to swim to shore a couple of times. And each time I got probably within a couple of feet of shore. Oh my God. And the water, water pulled me back down underneath. Oof. So the last time it pulled me down, um, spoiler alert, I'm alive. I'm fine. <laughs> unless this is the, Maybe. unless this is the afterlife, right? Yeah. And like, this is just, you know, this whole last 20 years of my life has just been, um, you know, my, this is my afterlife that, um, I was spent physically, I spent mentally, I spent emotionally. I cried out for help and my voice just came out as a whisper. It was, a, it was the most harrowing experience of my life. And so I basically, I, with no, I think nothing left in the tank, I gave up and yeah. I had this, thought of, um, yeah, I don't know how much more of this I could take. And the craziest thing is, is that when I surrendered, the next time I resurfaced out of the river, the river naturally took me out of the eddy, put me in the main body of the river, and someone pulled me on a raft and I was fine. Wow. That's interesting. There's a lesson in there somewhere. He just told you the lesson. Is that why I feel like I learned a lesson? Oh my fucking God. Were you not paying attention? I was. He said he stopped resisting and it spit him out. This is what I have to deal with. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, the part part of it is I have to play a dumb guy as an interviewer. Oh, okay. That's what I'm doing. That's what you're doing. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. Sure, Brad. Um, Don't make me laugh. Yeah. Oh my God. That's scary. Mm. Yeah, and it you know, and it it certainly fucked me up for a while. I was yeah. I was 
I depressed for a little while. I was scared of the dark for a while. I was, it was, I had a tough, tough, tough time after that. And so, if, you know, coming back to your point, if you ask me then, what was the purpose of that? Yeah. Like I could tell you maybe one or two things, maybe a little bit right in the day or weeks or even months afterwards. But now 20 plus years later, I'm like, oh, I can, I see so much more about that. I can see the ongoing lessons of surrendering to forces greater than I am. I can see the ongoing lessons personally for me um, detailed in that story. We're about, I was trying to please my parents and I recognized that like the silliness of that and not speaking up for my own voice, which is independent of nature. You know, the real lesson of nature was about that surrender to these greater voice, the greater forces at play and not trying to control everything. I can look at it as like an initiation for some of the spiritual work I did. There's so many ways I can look at it now with, with way in hindsight, but at the time, no, I was, I was fucked up for a good while after that. Did you learn anything new by writing about it for this book? Was it to that? Uh, like, to- yeah. <laughs> I started learned how I still have to learn that lesson more. Yeah. <laughs> how I still, how I still, you know, get caught in resisting and fighting the what is. Yeah. There's a, um, a book by Michael Singer. He calls the surrender experiment. And basically it's a, it's a short biography of his life and what he shares is that each of these times that he got to a point, a, a certain junction point in his life, and he felt very confused and overwhelmed by all these different things, he was able to lean back like, okay, what is life asking of me right now? Mm. And then he made his choice based on that, not necessarily what his head would have made, what, is, what, it, what the choice his head would have said, but say like, okay, I can see this is the direction that life is pushing me. Why am I fighting that? Yeah. So I still learn that lesson. I'm still working on that now. There's still layers of that where I, I recognize I'm fighting and pushing a little too hard against the way life is, is moving me. And so, yeah, that's um that's an ongoing thing. It's so interesting. So that what comes to mind after listening to you just talk about that is like, um, like I was just down and we were in the ocean. And so, you know, the waves like come up and then they crash and my friend said to me, you have to go through the wave. Don't like let the wave crash on you because that hurts. Just like go through the wave. Did it's, you go through the wave? It's much easier to go through the wave. Did you apply the lesson? I did. Was it easier to go through the wave? Yeah. Huh. Easier to go through the wave. Look at you going through waves. <laughs> um, Wait, Dave's going to stay? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. But I'll say, like, learning to read the waves. Yeah. You know, and I, I'll say that, you know, uh, of, you know, specifically of the ocean or of the river, but also just say of the energies. We talked before about the seasons, learning to be able to read, this is what's going on. These are the greater forces that are at play right now, allows us to work with it more intentionally. Right. So if you want, you're in the ocean and you want to move towards shore, you can swim to shore at any point, but it's a whole lot more efficient and, and wise to work with the waves as they're going. Right. Yeah. So if we look at the cycles of the seasons, we look at the cycles of the moon, the cycle of the day. Yeah, you can be you can be a night owl. There's nothing wrong with that. You can move fast in December, sure. But if you want to be more in rhythm, you're like, all right, why am I feeling off? We can lean back into what is the bigger energy or what is the proverbial ocean of energy that I'm in right now? And how do I interact with that in a mm-hmm. way that is going to be more efficient and harmonious and healthy for me? Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. That's good. That that might be a good place to end. I know. I was just thinking. Yeah. You just brought that all home for yeah. us, Dave. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> um, was there anything else you want to tell us before we wrap up and begin 
saying goodbye to folks? Um, that I am seeing clients in person here in Belchertown. I also see clients remotely. If you're listening to this anywhere in the world, that's the beauty of, of the work that I do. And I'm here to help people reconnect with that deeper sense of who they are. So if you're feeling that there's a sense of like, I, I just feel off and I'm not quite sure, or I'm anxious and I can't quite place why, or I, and I want to see things in a different way than I am. Like I'm your guy. I'll certainly help you out with that. Thanks. And we're going to put links to um, Dave's website and all of his things in the show notes. So um, mm-hmm. check check those out. And I'm going to tell you folks listening to this, um, he was able to answer these questions I had about UFOs and, and the CIA remote viewing. So he can answer just, he can help you with anything. So... <laughs> You know, <laughs> anything. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So listen, um, but seriously, check check out his website, and he's he Dave has a real a lot of really good stuff up there, and um, you know, I I, I really appreciate your perspective, Dave. So thanks for coming on yeah, here and you. sharing it with us and talking uh, to us. Sure, I want I want to add one more thing actually yeah. mm-hmm. is that. So we've been talking about shamanism, but you know, I'm an acupuncturist by trade also. Yep. And acupuncture, Chinese medicine, also has its association with the seasons. And so when, if you're coming to see me in person, I will always try to connect what's happening for you with what's going on in the seasons and then use the acupuncture needles to help you kind of far, fall more in alignment with that. So this is I'm always thinking about this and whether it's 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 a really healthy way of getting us out of our tiny little world and bubble into something greater. Listeners, um, thank you for listening. If you're listening to this for the first time, right? What do we ask? Subscribe. Subscribe, yep. download, share with a friend. Yep, share with a friend. Tell your friends about our podcast, right? Uh, we have lots of interesting guests on, like um, Dave. And, you know, sometimes it's just stomping Jen and I, chatting it up. So much right? fun. Yeah, it is fun. Oh, so much fun. All righty. <laughs> All right, people. Um, what else? Anything else stomping, Jen? Uh, the cold's trying to kill me. I don't know. All right. Well, you're going to go and connect with that cold. and That's right. I'm going to go connect with the my microbes, bed. <laughs> <laughs> let those microbes do what they're doing, okay? Yep. All right, say goodbye, Stormy Jen. Bye now. All right, um, uh, Mr. Dave Ironman, do you want to say goodbye to folks? I will. Thank you very much for listening, guys. And I'm drinking a cup of tea, and I will say on the little piece of paper on the end of the string, there's this quote, In all things of nature, there is something of the marvelous, by Aristotle. Aristotle. Beautiful. I love that. Um, I am drinking tea as well, and I have a quote too. What? Let's, we'll have a we quote. Have yeah, we'll have a quote off. I didn't all know right? we had quotes on. I heard Dave's quote. I'm going to read mine now. Um, Let your greatness show from your inner light. Mm. I like Dave's I, quote better. What's I yours? Even, I didn't even know that tea had quotes on it. Do you this have is a, a qu- revelation? Do you for have me. a quote? I do have a quote. Read your quote. I just throw this shit away. Read your quote. Find hold on. Find strength in knowing that you can make a difference in the world. (laughs) Dave's quote was the best. Dave's Dave's quote quote was was the best. best. All All right, right, everyone. Um, (laughs) Bye. This world of ours, ever growing smaller. 
must avoid becoming a community of dreadful fear and hate. Those who have freedom will understand also its heavy responsibility. That all who are insensitive to the needs of others will learn charity. And that the sources, scourges of poverty, disease, and ignorance will be made disappear from the earth. And that in the goodness of time, all peoples will come to live together in a peace guaranteed by the binding force of mutual respect and love. I shall never cease to do what little I can to help the world advance along that road.